0: Welcome back to Who the Hell's This For? Today we are talking Ridley Scott's Alien, and it's an evening episode, so you know that means we're getting a little loose. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good. I'm getting loose with a little uh, Martin City Survival Blonde. I'm choosing to support some additional Kansas City breweries this week.
0: It's probably a good choice. I know uh, Double Shift, my favorite Kansas City brewery, recently, as of this week, put out their uh, Tessellation IPA Ooh. in cans. So I need to go pick up some of that.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm doing good. It is almost 9 o'clock at night, so I am drinking some water.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Riley's got a glass of warm milk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Got my slippers on and everything. We're (laughs) about 30 minutes
0: past Riley's bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) What have you guys been watching recently?
1: Oh, man, I have a show. I don't think I've talked to you guys about it at all, even in the group chat. I have a reality show to pitch you. That I think you would like, Riley. I feel like I know you would like it. Tyler, I'm not 100 percent sure because I just don't know where you land on reality TV. But you guys know I'm a huge Survivor fan, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. HBO has put together a series called The Bridge. Have you guys heard anything about this one? I have not. Don't think so. It's basically a group project in like the U. No, in the no, upper. Absolutely not. In the upper, uh, like lake regions of the UK, where. Like 12 strangers. Michigan. (laughs) It basically (laughs) looks like, it actually does look like Michigan, but 12 strangers basically have to get together and build an 850 foot bridge across water by hand. Um, And they're basically just given like logs and like a book on how to build a giant bridge and that's it. And then uh, if they get to the Island by the very end, there's a briefcase with a hundred thousand pounds in it, which is like 140,000 us dollars. How will they carry it? Only one person gets it at the very end, and they it's have no idea pounds. how. How
0: will they carry it? Respond to my bit.
1: Yes, it'll be very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Good joke. Anyways, it's, evening episodes are fun. <laughs> it's like it's like Survivor, but if it's if it was like cross with the Great British Breaking Show, like James McAvoy like does his like Scottish like narration over the whole thing. Um, so it's good. It's like, it's like very soothing and it's entertaining at the same time. It's only six episodes. So it's like very, it's like UK TV. Do these people have any kind
2: of engineering background or are these just regular people?
1: Uh, no, they're all stupid. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, and they have to elect a leader right away. And it's not a spoiler to say the leader is like a male stripper. And that's basically like. That's a big plot point for the rest of the show. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I've been watching. What have you guys been watching?
2: Uh, I, Caitlin and I have pretty much watched nothing but My Hero Academia. Oh, wow. Uh, we are about five episodes away from finishing season four and catching up. So we should. we're looking at probably watching the movie sometime, maybe Sunday. No, it's All-Star Weekend, so... We'll be watching that instead. Um, but yeah, other than that... Um,
0: Season 5 starts March 21st. Oh,
1: perfect. Man, we timed that well.
2: Yeah, you <laughs> did.
1: I don't think I realized it was cool. like an ongoing show. Like, I think I thought it was done.
2: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, all it, the
1: cool kids are watching it.
2: It is still
0: going and has a lot of potential to keep going for a long time.
2: That's just my way of trying to fit in with the Gen Z crowd. <laughs>
0: No, Gen Z probably hates my hero. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're choosing to go I, a different I, I route than
1: trying to do an Eminem disrap at them instead. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> Never once... W- I, no, I don't care if teenagers think I'm cool. I don't... Just, no. The internet a, needs to chill out and stop.
1: What a strange impulse to compete for the attention of Gen X and Boomers by making as as a millennial by making fun of gen Z, like what a yeah. just having We're, that thought in your head and you're like yep this is what i'm gonna spend my time on today gonna completely alienate myself <laughs> going to lose every we, job interview for the rest of time <laughs> <laughs> We're certainly not sending our best as a generation. <laughs> the final questionnaire of the job interview is, okay, have you ever made a front-facing musical video making fun of another generation? Like, oh, well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, just once. Who hasn't?
0: I <laughs> uh, Yeah, I guess I better talk about what I've been watching. I forgot that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. So I am unsure if I talked about this on our anime episode, but I did watch The Queen of Black Magic on Shudder, which is a re- Indonesian reboot of an old Indonesian film that is awesome. It uh, I made some recommendations to people. I uh, made one of their significant others throw up, who is also a horror fan. Uh, this is an Anya Stanley recommendation. that I. That's how I picked up this one on Twitter. It rips. It absolutely rips. And then I also watched Wrong Turn, which was... Fine. It uh I think like I went in 2021 with twenty twenty one wrong turn. Yeah, twenty twenty one wrong turn. And I think I went in with too high of expectations. Hmm. Uh also the there is a villain involved who looks like a cross between Bruce Campbell and Jeffrey Combs, and it made me just wish that either one of them had been in the role.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that that wasn't great. And then to round it out, I also watched Ten Things I Hate About You for the first time.
1: Oh, interesting! Which wow
0: is a banger. I was not aware of that. I had never taken the time to watch it. And as far as things from the '90s go, it aged very well. There's actually some really interesting commentary on like race and class, just like in the first few minutes that applies now, and like also like calls out white feminism, which we were seeing a lot of. It's just very very interesting. Hmm. hmm.
1: I'll have to revisit it, that. She, it's just, been,
0: she has that whole vibe to her?
1: It's been a long time since I've seen that one. So I may have to revisit it. But
0: it's it's very good. It is very horny. Like and we were watching it on Disney Plus, so that caught me off guard. <laughs> you got Alice and Janny writing a pornographic novel in the first like five minutes of the movie. And I certainly was not prepared for that. <laughs> it's good though. I liked it. I like that mm. one a lot.
1: Very cool.
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead. Let's get into Alien. So, to kick us off, a brief synopsis of Alien is that it is Alien. <laughs> that's all you need. You, you know what it's this alien movie is because of the way it is.
1: <laughs> that's pretty neat.
0: It's, I mean, as as advertised, it's Jaws in space, and it's basically if Jaws in two thousand one, a space odyssey had offspring and it burst out of the chest of 2001 a space odyssey yes but we'll talk about the cast and who is in it just because um the cast is phenomenal and i just want to highlight it so we've got tom scarrett sigourney weaver john hurt veronica cartwright harry dean stanton ian holm Yaphet koto and every i mean I'm sure there are probably some things you could pick apart, but I feel like the cast just rips. And we'll talk about that a little more in a bit. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously, directed by Ridley Scott, who, you know, has cemented himself as one of the biggest names in sci-fi filmmaking in the past 100%. four, five decades.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. So you would think a movie like this doesn't have any uh low reviews, but let's let's head to Letterboxd where the brightest minds come to give their thoughts on film. <laughs> so we've got a few we've got a few half-star reviews here. So we've got I have never watched a worse movie in my life and I have watched a lot of shitty movies. Checks out. What a load of old piss. AVP2 was better.
1: <laughs> oh my fucking god. I love it.
0: Too old, literally boring, not scary. Not even remotely worthy of Prometheus or Covenant. And then from Eiffel65 underscore alien, why is the alien not blue? Sad face, half a star. <laughs> <laughs> I also, however, do want to point out a, uh, a better review from uh, somebody that we're big fans of on the pod, uh, but Demi ElectroLemon. Four and a half stars, if you're going into space, I think that you should leave your cat at home. He does not need the stress. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about alien and what we like about it. It is no secret that this is one of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies I named I got an orange cat specifically so I could name it Jonesy like this movie has profoundly like wedged itself into my love of movies.
1: Yeah, I think this movie is great for for what it does on its own and for what comes after it. There are a lot of... And 1978 or 1979 is not old, right? But it is it is on the edge of where some people stop liking movies because of their pacing or whatever else it might be, for bad reasons, but their own reasons nonetheless. And Alien is great because it is both entertaining on its own in its own capsule you could watch this movie it could be made today and it's still great it also spawned not only its own franchise but it's hard to find any sci-fi movie made afterwards about aliens or any sci-fi horror that doesn't learn from this movie right there's so there's so much groundbreaking stuff being done here that um, really sets up an entire additional genre because so far i mean there's there have been lots of creepy sci-fi so it's not the first sci-fi horror by any means right there's all those old um Riley, your dad tweets about them all the time like the all the old like monster (laughs) movies you know what i mean i actually do learn about a lot of stuff from from his tweets but what i'm what i was thinking is um, brent come on the pod (laughs) um like i said it's not the first but it but it is a turning point right in the Mm -hmm. craft of both sci-fi and uh, sci-fi horror, right? Well, Um, so
0: what what I think is it's not necessarily that this is on the cusp of when, you know, the modern audience starts to go back and see movies as boring or, you know, the cutoff for the type of movies that modern audiences like. What it really is is this, Jaws, a lot of the things in that, Star Wars, in that 70, mid to late 70s era, that is what has shaped the modern blockbuster and what modern audiences go to see. And I feel like so much of everything that we've seen is a result of like that, that period in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what we were getting. Like, that's what laid the groundwork for movies well, as they are today. Yeah. Cause
2: I mean, you have pretty much, you know, everyone that's making movies today, you know, was a kid going to see star Wars and alien and all these amazing movies, you know, these, pillar movies as a kid Mm -hmm. and said that's what i want to do and it's yeah i mean they they've just transformed this genre Mm
0: -hmm. and not only that there's there's a direct link too because this movie alien marketed itself like i said as jaws in space so you have you have that thread you have jaws directly to alien and then alien spawn so jaws was creating all kinds of, you know, copycats. Everyone wanted to be the next Jaws. And Alien succeeded in being the next Jaws and then had a similar wave of copycats and everybody trying to spin out of the success of Alien, specifically in sci-fi. Because then we got Galaxy of Terror, which is a schlocky, no-name, like, it's not no-name. There are very big names attached. But it, you know, it flies under a lot of people's radar. It is on HBO Max. It's weird. It's mean. It's gnarly and gross. It has incredible set design because the person the second unit director and uh, one of the people in charge of set design was James Cameron. So then James mm-hmm. Cameron took that and took everything he wanted to do because that he wanted he was emulating alien in there and then went to aliens and then we have spun out and now all of the big budget action movies they want to be James Cameron mm-hmm. So it's it's all a direct link back to... Just this this set of movies in right. the seventies,
1: and not to not to dive too deep into the Alien franchise, right? But I think you have such cool things that that has done, right? Where you've got Ridley Scott with the it is it is, there is action in Alien, right? But it is mm-hmm. more uh, more pacing, more tense, you know, more driven like that. And Aliens is much more of an action film, right? Mm -hmm. it's it's action with sci-fi horror as sort of the background piece of it and so then even from there you've got people trying to be alien and then people trying to be aliens right like you've got and then a cross-off yeah
0: and then as i talked about months ago you have alien 3 which then is also this the alien 3 however i don't think was the first to like really push a lot of this but you had david fincher attached and now you have this very like this esoteric, high level like morality play in Alien, and like it's very philosophical, and you see so much of that in so many other sci-fi movies. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to pick one. What's coming to mind is a movie I've never even seen, but is uh, Elysium.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, what is uh,
0: Neil Blomkamp? Uh,
1: District Nine. Everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, everything he's done is just evolution on this alien aesthetic.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, I think that's what I was talking about at the beginning, is that this movie mm-hmm. is is fantastic on its own, and it's one of my rare five-star... I'm just going to ruin it. It's one of my rare five-star reviews mm-hmm. on Letterboxd.
0: I think we're all going to be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty obvious Aren't going in. Five? Yeah, generally there's not a lot yeah. of
1: suspense in these reviews anyways. But, I mean,
0: I think... I, I do think this might be our highest rated across the board it probably as is. a whole.
1: It probably is. But I love this movie for what it is, and I love it for what it spawned, right? Because mm-hmm. sci fi, horror, and then into sci fi action are like very easily my two top genres. Yes. And so this movie is such a, uh, a fun thing to revisit anytime you really want to dive back into that for sure. Should we talk a little bit well, about. Insane. I know we talked. Yeah,
0: go ahead. Sorry. Just real quick, what's insane, all of that aside, and we know this is a five-star movie for me, this is a 10, this isn't even my favorite Ridley Scott movie. (laughs) Like, it's unbelievable, like, and we can just talk about Ridley Scott and his influence alone, like, on sci-fi in general. I feel like Ridley Scott is to the sci-fi movie what Isaac Asimov is to sci-fi literature,
1: I mean, it's a bold claim, but I think it's probably, I think I probably would agree with it. It sounds like a hot take, but I feel like there's a lot
0: of backing there for it.
1: I mean, even if you just made Blade Runner and just made Alien, that right there is like career cementing stuff. You know what's funny? I'm looking at Ridley Scott's stuff on on Letterboxd. We're just going to remind you of some of the stuff that he's directed, just so that you're kind of aware. Oh man, there's
0: one outlier in there. Save it for last.
1: I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner, Alien, The Martian, Gladiator, Prometheus, uh, is it Alien Covenant that he did? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Uh, yeah, he did uh, me, I think. I can't actually read it. It's really small in Letterboxd. Yeah, Alien Covenant. Um, Hannibal, Black Hawk Down, American Gangster, Kingdom of Heaven, and Thelma and Louise. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, he's also, you know, he's got one that's a little bit further down that I actually really, really like. It's not sci-fi have you guys ever seen matchstick men i have no. not i've heard it's uh, very good and would like to watch it it's very good it's got uh nicholas cage is a con man and his like daughter comes back to find him it's Ooh. it's really really good oh
0: i know that one
1: yeah um also i have not seen it but it has come highly du- highly um recommended to me especially the director's cut kingdom of heaven is supposed to be yeah pretty f- i've pretty heard the director's cut level. is phenomenal so it's funny, it's like, I mean, you you look at that top, and it's like, is American Gangster his, like, seventh best movie? Like, that's fucking incredible. Right. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: And then, so to expand on that, going even into the executive producer side of things, you know, Catherine, my wife, is huge on the show Numbers. And he ex- he executive produced Numbers. Like, Ridley Scott, is just, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's move on because we could, we could praise Ridley Scott forever, but let's move on to specifically what it is that makes us like alien as much as we do.
1: So Riley, I'm interested on, on your take. What do you feel like you like the most about this movie? Man. Um, I,
2: let's see. I mean, I really enjoy the pacing of this movie. Um, I, I enjoy that they sit and build the atmosphere, you know, and build the world. Um, you get a sense of the crew and everyone's role and, you know, all the characters get to breathe a little bit. Um, and then the dinner scene happens and then everything kind of hits the fan yeah. after that.
0: And I mean, we don't it's it's talked about i guarantee on every single episode of any podcast that's ever talked about alien we don't have to dwell on on it but you know as, as it's talked about so often the cast didn't know what was coming in the dinner scene
1: oh, you know, i don't it's be- just i didn't know that
0: oh man yeah uh he uh, he did not tell them so all of them uh specifically lambert if you watch her just like loses it
1: interesting i have to rewatch it with that mm-hmm. in mind i didn't know that. that that was new to me
0: yeah i'm glad i'm glad i mentioned it then <laughs> something else i want to talk about because riley talked about the crew this is some of the best like banter and interaction between a cast and specifically like people filling the role of like a crew on a ship like it's so perfect it it's just absolutely perfect especially with um Brett, Harry Dean Stanton and uh Parker, uh, Yafet Koto. Yeah. They're just like they are the definition of like blue collar dudes who are just like we just want to get our bonus and get out of here, man. Like we're just trying to get paid. Let's get the job done and roll
2: out. Yeah. Yeah, we're just trying to get paid so we signed up for this like 10-year long space
1: flight. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's interesting that this movie is it's an ensemble movie for like halfway through. Like, you don't even realize that Ripley is the protagonist for most of Uh the movie. Right, Um, until, yeah. Right, until it kind of all switches. And so, I I like that because I like when movies don't give any one character the majority of the screen time. Obviously, the ensemble Mm -hmm. point of that. But you do get to feel like you get to learn every single character. And then by the time the crew starts to, like, cut down, then the rest of the time you get to spend it with whatever the main character kind of ends up being. And even in like a horror movie where that that happens, you generally have a star. You generally have a right. main protagonist, and I I like that they hold off, you know, um, and you're never really quite sure who the the main person is going to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and what's really great is like it truly feels like Ripley happened to survive. Right. It wasn't like you know she was marked to be the quote unquote final girl from the beginning. Like we we know that's the case with Laurie Strode in Halloween. We know Laurie's going to be the final girl, whereas Ripley is just Ripley's the one who makes it out, and right. it could have been any of these characters. And Ripley's the one who does it, you know. Right. And that's not telegraphed from the beginning.
1: Right. Um, something else I really like about this movie is um, I like that it's a very like hard sci-fi movie, in that everything is like very grounded in how it works you know what i mean like they're mm-hmm. like there's pretty there's a lot of care put into the scene where they're landing on the surface of the planet mm-hmm. and like it it takes a while actually for them to like go from orbit and go down and land and they show like all mm-hmm. the mechanics of it happening because you're like hey like you take for granted in some of these sci-fi movies like the spaceship just, like, gets off the planet and flies away. And in this one, it's, like, there's all these, like, mechanical things that must happen to do something as simple as landing on the surface. And then it, like, fucks up. And you're, like, you don't even know what happened. And you know what I mean? And so I, mm-hmm. I like that aspect of this. It makes it, even though it's an alien that <laughs> bursts out of people's chest and has corrosive acid for blood, like, even though there's fantastical elements, like, it still doesn't feel crazily, like, outside of what could happen, I guess, is mm-hmm. maybe a way to say mm-hmm. it, because it fits within a grounded universe.
0: Well, what I like, uh, kind of on that same note, is the the shuttle feels very much like a separate shuttle within the ship and not just, like, a random escape pod that you're suddenly going to see and they're going to escape. Like, it, it is a process to get that thing launched.
1: Mm-hmm. I just like the mechanisms, you know, of how they Mm -hmm. get to everything. We
0: could spin that off into set design, too. Sure, sure. Because,
1: I mean, and this
0: movie owes a debt of gratitude to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Because so many of the shots and the set design and the production, it's almost spot on the same in that first hour of the movie.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of far off shots on the... Mm-hmm. surface you've got the the ship like coming over the horizon and and then being able mm-hmm. to see it
0: and the interior shots too everything yeah, I mean, down know, the halls.
2: corridors, and
1: yeah
0: uh the shots of Dallas when he's in mother's room like in the computer room yes mm-hmm. yes oh man
1: yep let's talk a little bit about like some of the characters before we flip into any of the categories um one of my favorite characters, and I, I kind of, I generally forget about him, like, until the movie kind of starts. Um, I love Ash. I, I yeah. love, yeah. you know I mean? Yeah, Ian Holm, what they do with that character, and um, just, I obviously, if you've seen it before, you know the reveal, right? And you know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. But I'm always kind of, like, thrown by it. I'm like, oh, wait, which one is, you know, which one is the android? Which one is, you know, and um, I just love the way they kind of crafted that in. I can't imagine, like, re-seeing this for the first time like having no no frame of reference for that at all and being like oh fuck you know what i mean like yeah because they don't allude to it at all Mm -mm.
0: yeah not not at all like the most you get is that he might be like not a hundred percent trustworthy and Mm, then then they just pull the curtain open and he's an android and you find out in like the most bombastic way possible
1: right right
0: and, and, and I mean, how much of that has become such a mainstay in Ridley Scott's other work, the Alien franchise and sci-fi movies as a whole?
1: Yeah, I love what they do, too, of him being like an agent of this uncaring corporation. And like he doesn't mm-hmm. care about his crew members because he's been given mm-hmm. a directive to accomplish like that idea of like you can't trust robots because they don't care about humanity obviously that's not the first time that's been done either but i think that it it builds on that theme very well right and i think that's a lot of what we've been saying about this movie is that while it may not be the first to do all this stuff it does all of that stuff perfectly you know yeah it's it's
0: some of the best to do it
1: it's the best example of those tropes that Mm -hmm. have been done over and over
0: well and they set it up so perfectly for and i mean you know i can't give this I can't say this is a good thing this movie does, but you know, everything in here is played off of so well in aliens with Bishop and Bishop is like truly a good, like he is not, he's benevolent. Like he is there for good reasons to be a support and Ripley, you know, can't buy in at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Something else I want to talk about just an interesting note that I don't know if it was meant to be canon by Ridley Scott or if it was something brought into canon by James Cameron. And I'm not saying it is the best example of representation because, you know, some of the wording and the lore is a little iffy. But Lambert is a trans woman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, when Ripley is reviewing in the in the beginning of Aliens, um, it's brought up, and that's mentioned on, um, like, Lambert's transition is mentioned on her bio. Huh. So, really interesting. Don't know if that's a Ridley Scott choice. Don't know if that's a James Cameron choice. But just wanted to like throw that out there because it's just it's so it's so interesting to me as far as like representation
1: goes. Yeah, twenty, twenty, twenty-five years ago. I mean, it's pretty, pretty bold for sure.
0: Jeff, I got some bad news.
1: Oh God, fuck. I meant I meant forty. I actually really did mean to say the right number. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> Christ alive.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're old. Christ, Christ alive. Here Jeff,
0: here Jeff turning to ash and turning to dust <laughs> as we record. <laughs> um,
1: anyways, okay. uh, I have one more thing about this movie that I just want to ask you guys. Yes. Um, does this movie count as an Easter movie? Here's why. I'd say so. Here's my ask. Uh, There's lots of eggs There's a large being Who is either protective of And or trying to share The eggs And they have a reaction To people getting near their eggs I think it might be an easter movie Not like a Christian easter movie But it's definitely like a Secular easter movie There's an argument
0: for a Christian easter movie Let's hear it Because of The rebirth with the chest burster, you let the spirit into your heart and then you're reborn and it comes out of your chest <laughs> and violently. You're better than, than ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and your spirit too can grow into a giant monster who kills people.
2: I, I, don't, I don't know enough, but I think there's a joke about coming out of the ribs and isn't, isn't Cain enabled and they, some about a rib?
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's just an urban legend that they told you in elementary school.
2: Well, you know, I'm probably what? the last guy you want to ask about any of that.
0: You know, they the I think we should the rumor about getting your ribs taken out like Cain and Abel. Oh yeah. So that you can reach.
1: <laughs> God damn it. I think we should play I think we should play Bible trivia with Riley sometime just to just to see how it goes.
2: Oh yeah, I'm game. <laughs> Absolutely. We should play a factor great story. F- all that factor was.
1: fiction. <laughs> is it really in the Bible with Riley Barker? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So let's move into it. It's hard to say things we don't like about this movie, but you know, let's move into our segment. I have I have a couple things that I can actually bring up here, and they don't take away from the movie for me at all. But I think there is some jarring editing. In the final act of the movie, compared to the very deliberate pace of the rest of the movie, and also the move to have Ripley in full-on like half her ass out of her underwear and like half crop shirt for that final like sequence before she gets in the spacesuit—that's not great. That's uh, kind of a bad look.
2: No, I mean, I mean, like, I, yeah, it, I don't think it flies today but yeah I, 1979 i i if i watch this in 1995 i'm not gonna think anything of it
0: no and i don't i don't think it takes that much away it's just like mm, you know like it feel it feels a little like exploitative
2: yeah that, i mean you can acknowledge that it's you know what it is today but still mm-hmm. give it five stars
0: yeah and no and that's i mean we know i That's the case for all of us. But mostly I just wanted to acknowledge some of the potential issues people could take with the movie. And not necessarily, because it doesn't take me out of the movie at all.
1: Right. I was going to say. You know, and
0: it it raises the question, would we, because, you know, Ripley was written as a character that could have either been a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't written with a specific person in mind. uh, And it just, it went to Sigourney Weaver. But, you know, would we have had, if Ripley had been a dude, would he have been, like, whole hog in his beefy Hanes?
1: Why not? Only if Willem Dafoe's cast well, Let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, you know, it's an interesting point because I was reading some of the, like, production notes of this film beforehand. Um, and I didn't know that Ripley was one of the last characters casted for this movie. Did you guys mm-hmm. know that? Um, oh, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, they had already started building the set, and she did, like, screen tests, like, with some of the pre-completed set, basically. Um, and it's it's really, I mean, obviously, because it became such a franchise, and obviously because Sigourney Weaver went on to do so much after this, it's hard to picture the Alien franchise without Sigourney Weaver. Um, mm-hmm. And it's especially hard to picture, like, you know, I don't know, like, just because so many horror franchises, obviously, Jaws is, like, all men but so many of the horror franchises Mm -hmm. have like a fairly iconic female counterpart to whatever the large horror producing thing is right obviously Laurie Strode in Halloween um you've got oh fuck um Nancy and Nightmare Nancy and Nightmare um Scream Neve Campbell Sydney Sydney thank you so like you've got these like fairly major counterparts female counterparts to these Horror franchises, right? And there are male, obviously, counterparts to those things, but it it does it does follow in the pattern, right? And it's it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to imagine anyone else in that reoccurring role, but Sigourney Weaver, you know. And it's sort of a big what if, like you know, if they had made that a male role, or if they had picked someone who wasn't as well. I mean, obviously Sigourney wasn't well known either. But if they had picked someone else, do we still have the Alien franchise that we have today?
0: All right, so. Is there anything else that we can think of that we could possibly take issue with with this movie?
1: So I have one that I don't necessarily feel for myself as much as, like you mentioned earlier, there could be a thing that other people have a hard time getting into this, which is that um, the pacing is very deliberate. And you are right that basically up until the facehugger scene, it is very atmospheric, Right, and so Mm -hmm. if if you didn't have someone strongly recommending this movie to you, or you didn't know anything about it, and you're just like, oh, you gotta watch this classic, and it it took, you know, thirty minutes for anything to quote unquote happen, like you might be tempted to be like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm gonna watch something else. So like I said, I don't mind it. I don't have a problem with it, but I do think it's the kind of thing where if you weren't ready for that pacing, if you weren't ready for it to take that long. You could get lost in the first little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's Jaws, like
2: yes. you know like we've been. It is Jaws. You know, it's you just gotta you just gotta muscle through that first little bit. I mean, we obviously all like that. Yeah, uh, for
1: atmosphere. people who are not,
0: yeah. you know, if that's not your jam or you're just not expecting it, you do have to you have to commit to that.
1: Right, and it's it's hard because there are, and I would say more and more right there are movies that you hear you should see like you should you should see this because it was such a great movie and it's just different it's just different pacing it's not bad pacing right but it is different like you go see a blockbuster today and there's shit happening in the first 5 minutes there's a big opening mm-hmm. stunt there's a big mm-hmm. opening scene whatever it might be that it hooks you in and that's just not the way some of these movies operate and so you, you just have to be ready and you have to be willing to do that and there are some movies today, especially like newer ones that I think try to mimic the same thing where you're like 40 minutes and you're like, man, I hope this picks up. And then the rest of the movie just never picks up. And so I think mm-hmm. some people might, th- might be worried that it's going to be one of those and turn it off. So you kind of almost have to go into those with a recommendation from someone else. It's hard to go into a movie blind that doesn't do anything for 30 minutes and be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue committing unless someone else has told you it's really, really good. It wasn't...
2: I'm trying to think of a, a newer one that I watched. that was like that. Wasn't the Ritual, wasn't that a slow burn? Ritual is a very with? slow burn, yeah. yeah. Ritual slow burn. It, things get it weird. It has some
0: more dread in the beginning than others that try to do it. Like, it gives you enough to keep you hooked, I think, but it is a yeah. very slow burn.
1: Yeah. Um, There's one I was just thinking of that I, man, it is now escaping me. Uh, great radio. <laughs> high Life is like that. Oh, yeah. That's another one that takes a really long time to get there. Um, I would say The Lighthouse was probably a little bit like yeah. that, where it just, yeah. you know, it yeah, just builds yeah, yeah, yeah. and builds. You know, and so it's one of those things. It, it really is. like it just. I think people have less patience sometimes now than maybe mm-hmm. they... Oh, they Devil your, All the Time is a great example. Devil All the Time. Yeah. Some of those movies where it's just like you, you just have to know there's something coming. And you're like, I don't want to spend two hours to get to the end of this and nothing happens it's one of those like slower you know burn movies where there's not really a payoff alien has obviously a great payoff Um, and like Mm -hmm. i said it's not any problem that i have with it but if you're going in blind you didn't know much about it i could see someone not realizing what they're missing if they turn it off early
0: i i think alien has the legacy it does because of the way it pays off and how it handles its payoff yes All right, so we managed to spin that back into things that we like about the movie. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about our standout scene. And I mean, well, there's there's oh, a clear okay. one.
2: Well, okay, I think I'm. Gonna, mine's a little. I don't know if mine will be get picked. So, and I'm not going with like the main one.
0: Yeah, but I mean, do we all just want to like? Set the chessburster scene. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah. Like, like the dinner scene. Yeah, that's the
2: best scene in this movie. Yes. Um, I'm gonna go with the Dallas scene. Um, him going through the air ducts uh, while the team is in another area reading the, uh oh whatever you want to call it, the radar. Yeah. Um. And we get that reveal. also, we get the alien jazz hands with the super <laughs> super webbed fingers that I love. Um, but yeah i like that's I like that one because that's another scene. like that corridor scene is another one that like gets used a whole bunch from that point on, um, you know, like the uh specifically, in AVP. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I yes. think it's the Swedish guy. He's he, it's like the same thing. Like he, uh, dropped, yeah, he like falls so. down, breaks his leg, and he's looking like either way, like which way is it going to come from. And but yeah, I'm going to go with that one.
1: That is the Swedish guy. Yeah. I think my scene is the first time you see the adult alien, the adult xenomorph, um, mm-hmm. with Henry Her- Harry D- Harry Dean Stanton. Right, Harry Dean Stanton. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Man, I so I was about to. I thought you were gonna take the Ash scene, so I was getting ready to take this scene.
1: <laughs> no, go yeah, back. That and, was
2: that was my runner up. Yeah, uh,
1: you can take you can take the Ash scene. I just like. Yeah, I, I will. I just like the the premise of a hunt from above, right? And you're talking about Jaws in space, and it's it's the opposite premise, right? It's not the hunt from below; it's mm-hmm. the hunt from above. Um, and there's something I think even more threatening about like looking around and thinking you're fine and having it be above you. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, very unique to the, the, not unique, but specific to the alien franchise. Um, and I just like that. It's the first time you see like the second mouth come out Mm -hmm. and the tail. And I just, I just love the first big reveal that this itty bitty alien has grown into like a large adult in such a short Mm -hmm. amount of time and it's it's crafted so well with him
0: finding the shed skin Mm -hmm. and then and you know you know this thing is above him somewhere this entire time you know it is above him because you know the chains are jingling and he like and then he sits there and he takes his hat off and he lets the water run over his face for like a minute and you're just sitting there like expecting it to happen and it doesn't happen then and it comes back to it later and it like it's such a well-crafted scene yeah. Definitely. And yeah, so we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh my my standout scene outside of that one is uh the reveal with Ash and Ash trying to kill Ripley and then everybody getting together to behead Ash. Yep. <laughs> and him just like spraying milk everywhere.
2: Great acting though, uh, for being yeah. home on after he gets bashed with the fire extinguisher. Ab- <laughs> oh yeah. Alright, so let's let's go let
0: down scenes. Which is tough, obviously.
2: I don't know if I really have any. Um, but I think what I'm gonna go with, Ty, is what we kind of touched on earlier. Um, you know, the final scene, mm-hmm. but they made the choice to strip Ripley down.
0: Yeah, and that's that's where I was heading as well. Like that that I think outside of the pacing, if we're sitting looking at a specific scene, I think that could be the scene that turns some people off of the movie. I don't think it'll affect that many people, but it, like the, the risk is there for it to affect your enjoyment. Yeah. Jeff, what about you?
1: I, I mean, I think that's probably a good one. I, I struggled to think of a specific scene that I didn't like. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd probably land where but, you guys landed. I just don't have a specific one that I can like, really pick If you to. break
0: it down, you can't. You can't pick a scene. At least the three of us who love this movie so much, you can't pick a scene that you don't like.
1: Yeah.
2: It's just, like, it's not there. Oh, something I wanted to ask you guys about this movie, because I could not figure it out. And this has nothing to do with where we're at in the episode. <laughs> uh, just how my brain works. Um, something I noticed... In this one, um, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Um, Kane. When Kane finds the eggs, mm-hmm. okay, so is him breaking the, the blue mist or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. him, him breaking that, is that what activates them? Or is it just they could sense a, a carrier nearby or a potential host?
0: I mean, I think it probably has to do with Breaking that barrier means like he has gotten close enough to disturb them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a specific like direct correlation between this barrier was broken. Now they're okay, going to so activate it. Yeah, it. it's
2: just like a, a host being nearby to activate yeah. them.
0: Well, and the egg doesn't open until he shines his light into it.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true.
0: All right. Also, I want to mention that like one of the big problems people have with Covenant. or Prometheus and Covenant that, you know, they always claim how dumb the crew is and, you know, they stick their head directly into the egg. That precedent is set by,
2: yeah, by
0: Kane in this scene. Like Kane sticks his whole ass head directly into the egg, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine. I don't think that's a problem.
1: Had I, I, had I not seen alien, if I saw a giant big ass egg, I'd probably stick my whole face yeah, in it. Yeah, I
2: mean we're we're talking about humans, you know, discovering other life. I it I don't think these people had a lot of experience.
1: You know,
2: right. they probably didn't have a protocol. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do I do have a question about this movie. Something I've never like truly understood about like the Ash scene. So when they say when Ash gets his directive to bring the alien back at the expense of the crew, if necessary. Does that mean that it was pre-programmed for them to wake up and go and get this alien? Or was it like once they found it, then the directive changed to bring it home?
0: I believe, my understanding is that that was always the plan.
1: Okay, so the and purpose and of they were voyage. sent
0: out there. Got it. Because the company is aware that it's there. And the company knows, and the company wants to research it.
2: So is that is that what the—I'm the poten- guessing that's, like, the potential third of the newer, the, you know, the Prometheus trilogy. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's what the third is, is how Michael Fassbender communicates back to the company that there's an alien. I'm not sure how yeah. that timeline works. Well, but-
0: um, I'm trying to remember. I believe— the planet in Covenant is L- mm-hmm. LV-426, right? Um, Which is the planet in Aliens. If I remember right.
2: Ugh, I don't know. It's such a mess. I, um, I'm just trying to think. Covenant. Um, I mean, I would think so. Based on... Yeah, I I would guess. I mean, we could dive into this
0: forever. So instead, let's go ahead and move into uh, our Jeremy Gleason Award of who we would want in this movie more or who did the best with the most or the most with the least. There we go.
1: Oh, man, this is so hard. Do you go with? Oh, I've got mine. I've got mine nailed down. Do you go with Um... Ian Holm, who is a great character actor? Do you go with um? I don't know. Do you? I can't really go with more with Ripley. But do you go more with Dallas and Tom Skirt? Skirt. See, I think
0: that yeah. Skirt. No, skirt, I'm skirt. I'm Parker, man, all the way, all the way on Parker.
1: That's Yafikota, right?
0: Yep, that's Yafikota.
1: Yeah. Man, I mean basically anybody in this film is is great. I'm I'm really partial to John Hurt, the actor in general. Um mm-hmm. like obviously you will know him from Snowpiercer, from the villain in V for Vendetta. Um, he was also in Skeleton Key, I think. And then he Skelton was in Key Hellboy's yeah. the dad. He's
0: Ollivander in Harry Potter. Harry Potter He's, he's in everything. Yeah. I love John Hurt. He's great
1: yeah so i mean he's not even in it that much right Mm -mm. so i kind of would like to see him more just because i love everything else he's done he's besides um uh shit who's the other besides cartwright i mean he's probably in it the least of anybody and Mm -hmm. he's probably my favorite actor in the whole movie so i would i'd probably pick john kurt or john hurt to do more
2: that's a good pick yeah i think dakota
1: is good too i obviously love you have but you know
0: I just, like, I could watch him, and especially him and Harry Dean Stanton as Brett, I could watch them shoot the shit
1: for hours. Yeah. What do you think, Riley? I was going with Tom Skerritt. Skerritt? All three uh, with yeah, a different,
0: different pitch. I like
1: it. I like it. Good job, team.
0: Fantastic work. So, let's go. Three movies you should watch if you like Alien. And boy, oh, we fuck. have we have a bevy to choose from here.
1: Oh, fuck. Hmm. Does anybody else want to start?
0: I will absolutely start because I'm going to take Blade Runner.
1: Oh, that seems like cheating. OK, mm, that's fine. But it's we'll not. It.
0: But it's not. It's not in the franchise. Uh, But as oh, OK, I, as I mentioned earlier, it's Alien is not even my favorite Ridley Scott movie. My favorite Ridley Scott movie is Blade Runner.
1: fair
2: i am gonna go i don't know if i'm gonna take this number one but i am gonna go with underwater Yeah, knew that Ooh. was coming
1: also a good pick oh man i'm trying not to be basic i'm trying to pick some different <laughs> stuff um you know what i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with the faculty 1998 Ooh. If you like this movie, you're going to like The Faculty. That's my pick.
0: Absolutely. So I am going to go with another sci-fi horror that I love deeply, and that's going to be Annihilation.
1: That's a good pick, too.
0: Because Annihilation is once more, it's just alien on the ground.
1: (laughs) All right, is it Riley?
2: It is Riley. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) I I know, it's hard to not go super basic on these
1: that's, i think you can um, I, go with what your heart
2: tells you yeah all right then i'm gonna go with something that i get a lot of vibes from or when i watch alien i get a lot of vibes of this movie and that's the thing
0: oh okay i knew that's where yep. you were going too and that's that was yeah. going to be my third
1: pick all right my my second pick is another favorite of mine uh pitch black Ooh. Yeah. If you like Alien, you will like Pitch Black. Riley, have you seen Pitch Black? Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. My last pick, I'm going to go with one that I, I don't think gets enough appreciation. And that's we're Gorhive, baby. It's a uh, cure for wellness.
1: Oh Gore I Verbinski's like cure for wellness.
0: Incredibly like gothic horror, just very it's such a bizarre movie, and I love it. I love Cure for Wellness.
1: That movie changes genres like five times. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it cannot decide what it's going to be, but it is great. Oh, that's a good one.
0: All right, Riley, last pick.
2: Um,
1: uh, I,
2: like Obviously, I, w- I would just pick Predator, but that <laughs> seems so.
1: If it helps, I'm uh, going to cheat and do a third pick and honorable mention.
2: Well, then I'll, yeah. Uh,
1: I'm going to go, just
2: looking at movies here, I'm going to go with, not the second one, because I have trouble even defending that one. I'm going to go with Pacific Rim.
1: Ooh, all right.
2: Another kind of, you know, uh, futuristic, uh, this is technology today, or, you know, our world in the future and uh, unknown species, you know. Yep. Also, I need to check out the new Netflix show that just came oh,
0: out. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah. The uh, the it, Pacific uh, Rim this... anime. Yeah. Oh, nice. It, I, it, from what I've seen today, it's gotten actually really good reviews. So.
0: Yeah, nice. I, I mean, I'm sold. It checks every box for me.
1: <laughs> Jeff, uh,
0: round us out. Last pick.
1: All right. So I'm going to have my third pick and my honorable mention. I'm going to pick my favorite one. My preferred one first of the two um and that's going to be arrival um Ooh. which i i have as three and a half stars it is the um i'm sociology. Only three and a half on that one i do like it i need to rewatch it again i think it was in a weird headspace when i watched it the first time to be totally honest the the loss of the child type thing like i don't know if i was ready for that part of it um so it Arrival. weird yeah, Arrival is all of the like, uh, anthropology pieces of Alien without as much of the threat, and then my honorable mention is all, all of the threat, which is Event Horizon. Um, <laughs> yes, which is basically Alien if it was the devil, and that's yeah. Basically what if Alien, but you went works. to hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I was gonna say. I think. Arrival is the better movie, but if you're talking about like what's a great spiritual successor to Alien, it's probably Event Horizon. It's, it's I mean, a very similar movie.
0: I really dig Arrival, but you put both of those movies next to each other, and nine out of ten times, I'm going to pick Event Horizon to watch.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love Event Horizon. That's an episode in itself someday.
1: We probably should do that.
0: That'd be good. All right, so let's go ahead and get out of here, because... Hey, guys, what did you rate this one?
1: Five stars Uh, on Letterboxd, 10 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. 85 out of 85. (laughs) Across the
0: board, 100% marks. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is an absolute joy to talk about. We all love Alien deeply. Have a good week, and we'll see you next time.